currently I'm employed at Solace Counseling, which is in Fargo, North Dakota. And so you can check us out at solacecounselingfargo.com. Um, and then I also do have a presence on Instagram. So if you at Mindful Midwest. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to 50 Shades of Boucher. On this episode, we had fun to the show. Katie Isler. She's a therapist out in Fargo, North Dakota. I met Katie uh, my freshman year at Northern State. Uh, we lived in Jerdy Hall together. Uh, you know, I, I reached out because she had shared a couple of stories on her Instagram about, you know, stigmas and, and people asking her questions about therapy. And, and it was one of the things that when I first started the show, I wanted to talk about. So what a better way to have somebody who's in the field. And, uh, you know, we kind of go through and I break down questions I've had since I went to therapy. And uh, hopefully we uh, we talked about some things and broke down some walls. So maybe if you've been thinking about it, uh, you guys, you, you know, we'll check it out. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. Go check her out. Go check her Instagram out. And uh, let's get into the episode. So how did you get into it? Like, I think, I, what was your major when we met? What was, what were you going to school for? Was yes. It? I was going to be a dentist. I oh, wanted wow. to be a dentist. Yes. So I was going to school to become a dentist. Um, and, you know, I got into my biology and like science classes and I was like, you know what? I don't really love this. Um, and so I kind of knew then that going that route probably wasn't what I wanted to do. So then I thought, well, maybe nursing. Maybe I want to go into nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, still, it just was in my classes, and I didn't feel that connection. Um, but I had this, like, desire to work with people um, and help people in some way. Um, and so I had kind of, you know, jumped around from some colleges, changed my majors a bunch of times. Um, and eventually my mom was like, hey, you got to figure this out. Right. What do you, What do you want to do with your life? And I said, you know, mom, I don't know, but I just, I really want to help people. And so then she um, told me about social work and she's like, well, why don't you go into social work? You can work with people. You can do lots of really different things. So then um, it was over a Christmas break, actually. Um, At that time I was a business major. And I remember I emailed my advisor over Christmas break and I said, I want to change my major completely to social work. Um, let's do it. So then a week later, I jumped into my social work classes and I absolutely fell in love with them. How many courses transferred over? I just have to know that. Yeah, honestly, I think I ended up only having to go an extra semester. That's not too bad. Not for somebody to completely change majors. I mean, yes, yes. So it all worked out for the best. So the difference that I noticed is I enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed my psychology and my sociology classes. Mm -hmm. And like, that's where things were connecting. Whereas where my biology classes and anatomy classes just weren't connecting for me. Yeah. Um, I loved learning about the brain and why we as humans do the things that we do or why we're wired the way that we are. And so totally fell in love with it. Um, And then I graduated with my undergrad in 2017 right on yes and then I worked for about a year in the field of social work and then I decided to go back and get my master's degree because I felt like doing individual therapy was something that I really wanted 
Right on. And how big of a step is it to do your masters when 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 you've when you when you're done and you're like, okay, I, you know, was it was it ever your goal to get your masters or or was it just kind of a thing that you ended up figuring out was going to be worth it? Yeah, no, I, when I was done with school, I was like, I am done. I'm just going to work. And then once I, I learned more about what I could do with my master's degree and how I could work more individually, one-on-one with clients, I then realized like, I think I'm in, I need to go get my master's degree. I think this could be good for me. Um, and so I found a program um, I went through the University of Louisville. It's called the Kent School of Social Work. Okay. Um, and I got to do an advanced standing program. So since I had only been out of school for a year, I got to jump into like an advanced standing program. And I was able to get my master's degree in only 14 months. Wow. Congrats. Um, yeah. Thank you. It was a lot of work. Um, didn't take any breaks. But um I was super motivated at that time and knew exactly that this is what I wanted. And so I was able to just kind of like cut through it. Yeah. Um, and it was a really, really good program. Jeez, oh, it has to be. I mean, if, one, just for it to go that, that smooth, I feel like that's something that's, that's good on you. And, and two, they have to, do they help you a lot? I mean, I know, I know like obviously like going yeah. through college and stuff like, you know, uh, making sure your bibliography was correct and all this shit. Is there, is there a lot of help when you're, when you're getting that far in school? Like they know you're at least attempting here. Yes. Yes. So, um, I, I had actually had a friend who went through this program and so that made me feel better about it. Knowing that, okay, a North Dakota person has done this. Um, hopefully that means that they kind of know, what's around my area because I had to do um, a 10 month internship and that was in person. So, um, and it had to be at like a a certain place. So I was worried because I was living in kind of a smaller town at that time. I was worried that I wouldn't be able to find one, but the school was amazing. Um, They have a really well designed online program. Um, So, and I got to work with some really cool people. One time I did a group project and my partner was in Japan. Oh, wow. Um, And, so, yeah, it was super, super cool to get to kind of see my, um, you know, my social work career field of education in all different areas of the world. Really got to learn about how even just different states work. So that was that was really cool. Right. So you said that something that really brought you into it was like how people think and, and, and how obviously with sociology, how groups of people think. What's one of the most fascinating things that like you either found out or like something that you you use almost daily now that you, you yeah. kind of know about it? Yes. So I think my biggest thing that um, I realized in school and what I've just the research I've done and things that I've done now um, is your childhood absolutely impacts you as an adult. And so um, we like to use this thing called the family systems theory. And that really goes about like kids have certain rules and roles that they're supposed to follow when they're younger, but so do parents. And oftentimes those um, roles can kind of get mixed up. So maybe we have a child now that's parenting a parent. And so when they get older, then we often see maybe some struggles or difficulties in their relationships now as adults because they never got to be a child. Um, So 
that's a big thing that I see in my therapy practice. And that's a big thing that I love to bring attention to is like, how were you parented and how were you raised? And is there any things in your past that maybe that you haven't been able to either process or um, get over? Mm -hmm. Because in order to start making, I think those gains and progress in therapy, we first have to maybe heal some of those old wounds we possibly didn't even know were there. Right. So when I was in therapy, um, my therapist quickly learned that I was I was a talker and a lot of it was like vocal therapy where I just was getting things out that I maybe hadn't ever really said. Um, And she tried this one thing where you put like it looks like an eraser and she puts it directly in front of you and then she puts it closer or farther and wherever it feels intimidating. And it's a very strange idea, right? And and you stare at it and you have these headphones on and it's all mono sounds, you know, guitar, rivers, babbling, all that. And it's supposed to like flush out like where something is stuck in your body where like there's trauma that like you've kind of, you know, your body has a system of kind of flushing, flushing away things. And when you hold on to it, it can be in your neck or in your lower back. And it's very strange the the way she put it. And I, I wasn't really into it. It made me like dream weird the next night. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Let's just talk it out first. You know, let's do it that way. Sorry. Um, Have you tried like any interesting practices where it's kind of like, you know, maybe looks weird or or obviously like, you know, it might seem silly if you were like watching this on TV or something. But have you had anything that's like really been beneficial towards you or some uh, somebody you were helping? Yeah. So one of my favorite things to do is writing letters. Um, or what's called narrative therapy. Oftentimes, not everyone is a great talker like you. And so sometimes it's really hard for clients to open up or even know exactly what to say. Um, So sometimes I'm just like, okay, you know what, let's write a letter. And they sometimes they get super, super nervous. Like what, we have to write a letter? I don't want to write a letter. Um, And it's not a typical letter. We're not sending this letter. We're not giving it to someone. Mm -hmm. But this is you sitting down and writing either to someone, about someone, um, and then imagining that maybe you would give it to them. Oftentimes, though, that doesn't happen, but it's um, really kind of cleansing and therapeutic to be able to write things down and then verbally process them. And then sometimes, which um, I think clients get an enjoyment out of, is then ripping up that letter and throwing it away or burning it or doing something with it to know like, okay, I have now processed through what this situation was like for me. I verbally identified it. Um, my therapist was maybe able to help me identify any negative cognitions I had with it. And now I feel really good about it. And then so doing kind of that um, sacramental piece of it, like, and now I'm going to rip it up. And now I'm going to move on from it. So I really like using narration um, in some of my line of work. But sometimes that can be very intimidating for clients. Right. I, and I, li- I like that, like, you kind of hit on everything you 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 have to think about it to write it down on paper and then you have to see it. And so then you, you know, and if you've wrote a paper, you know, you, you write the beginning, then you have middle. And then, so you rewrite, you reread it. And it's like, you're kind of re constantly seeing it again. If you've put it away, I like that. And then, yeah, you get to talk it out and kind of, um, now dice, decipher, decipher, I don't know, but, and and then physically kind of get rid of it in how, you know, uh, a human would want. Like, I, I, f- I feel like burning it. Is that a lot of the time? Like, do people just want to burn it up? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Burn it, rip it up into a million pieces, like scribble all over it. I love all of it. Whatever you feel like you need to do to, you know, kind of like move on, get over that bridge um, and then start your next walk of life. 
Right. So then how, how about this? Uh, when you are, are somebody comes in and, and can you tell if they've had trauma um, just by the way that they start speaking about events in their life or something? Or, or is it something where you need like how long before you start feeling comfortable? And obviously each patient's different, but you mm-hmm. as uh, somebody asking the questions, I mean, how how do you be able to kind of how long do you think it takes to be able to finally kind of hit somebody to where progress or is, is not far, you know, like where you actually feel like you're not just telling stories and and things that are not relevant. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a complex question. You know, some clients will come in and they're like, Hey, this happened to me. I know it was traumatic. Um, here's all the details about it. Some clients just come in with a lot of sadness or a lot of anger and they're really not sure why. And then, you know, we start kind of diving in. I start asking some questions and then soon we realize, oh, okay, you had a really traumatic thing happen to you. No wonder why you've been feeling so crappy. Um, and you know, some clients just come in because maybe they were told to come in by a family member and they really don't know why they're in therapy and maybe they don't even want to exactly be there. Um, and then as we kind of start building that rapport, diving into, you know, where they've been throughout life, we soon maybe realize, okay, like how about we start working here? Um, in order to, you know, fully process your trauma, we first have to identify what it is. Oftentimes it's just not one trauma. Complex trauma is really common where multiple stressful or scary events happen in your life. So then once we identify those, then it's really up to the client, or at least in my practice, I leave it up to the client as to where do you want to start? Is there maybe one trauma that you really want to process, or is there one that's maybe a a little smaller than the other. Um, Self-determination is one of my biggest things in my office. The client has to be willing and, you know, wanting to talk about these things. Um, If I'm just pressuring you and forcing you to talk about these things, that's really uncomfortable for you. You're really not going to get, you know, the benefit out of it. Um, So, you know, sometimes it can take one session to identify okay, this is your trauma and this is what you would like to work on. Other times it can maybe take months until that person feels comfortable sharing that with me, um, telling the details, things like that. I got you. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to word this question. Can you tell the difference when somebody comes in and they're – Let's say like uh, you you could have somebody smoking weed in one one position and then somebody who's maybe maybe been prescribed Valium – and then you have somebody who's never been maybe introduced to anything like that and just kind of living life through like a sober, like, like saying like mild depression, mild anxiety kind of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell right away when like somebody's been under the influence and, and either talking to you or like, you know, most experiences are from under the influence or, or anything like that, you know, or, or can you tell the difference between something like a volume and like, you know, if somebody came in and had a severe alcohol addiction and, and, and was kind of avoiding it, you know what I'm saying? I guess it's a weird question to ask you. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you know, um, I, so I don't do anything with medication or things like that. Obviously I have some training in it. Um, so what I really do is just ask those questions like, Hey, you know, have you used substances or what kind of medications are you taking? Um, and then that might kind of go into our talk of, you know, when this scary event happened 
um, was there drugs or alcohol involved. However, that really would never uh, impact like our therapy process. Mm -hmm. Just because you're under the influence doesn't mean that it was, you know, like your fault that a scary or stressful traumatic event happened. Right. Um, So what I would technically probably do in that instance is if there was really any substance related things, I would refer those out to an addictions specialist Okay. who um, we have lots of those in our community. So that's usually what I would do in that case. I got you. So how much of it, um, how many people come in and find out that they have a substance problem? Maybe not like an underlying or like, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that, you know, it's in the idea of the back of the head is like, yeah, I might be an addict, but how many people um, have you had or do you hear about or, you know, that find out that addiction is probably one of their main issues? Yeah. Honestly, in my practice, I haven't seen a lot of that. Um, I would probably count on one hand where I've had to maybe make some of those referrals to an addiction specialist. Mm -hmm. I would say that people do have a pretty good idea of, um, you know, this is where I'm struggling. Oftentimes, mental health and substance use go hand in hand. Right. But I would say that um, if you are actively using substances and you go to maybe a human service center to request help, they most likely, I think, would first refer you to an addiction specialist. And then oftentimes you would get like a team of workers to work with you. Okay. Um, but in my therapy practice, office I don't um get a lot of the mixture right on so do you deal mostly with like depression and anxiety kind of a thing yeah so I am a certified trauma therapist specifically for children so um and that's three to 18 mm-hmm. um and then there's additional training you can get in different areas um for adults and things like that but I just have this one called trauma focused cognitive behavioral therapy um I really really like working with clients who struggle with anxiety depression grief life changes um specifically in my practice right now I'm really focusing towards towards college students, um, especially in the times of COVID. You know, when I think back to, especially our freshman year of college, can you imagine if COVID would have been there? I joke that because of the dorm we lived in, I don't think we're, you know, going to get COVID. Anybody who lived there, I think you've, you've beat out a lot of a lot of stuff. Your immune system's pretty good. But yeah, no. Yeah, it'd be it'd be True. so strange. I mean, online classes wasn't even a thing then. Like, it, it, I brought... Uh, a tablet to school thinking I could buy all my books and they were like, no, we're not even set up to like anything close to this. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So yeah, no, it would be completely disruptive. And for me, I, I tried a, a semester of online schooling and, and it was not for me. I failed out. Um, so yeah, it, it would be completely frustrating. But um, I guess the hard part for me is, is being an adult now, there is no lull like there was in college and, and when you're coming out and even as like an early adult, you know, in your early twenties, you're not as busy or you're not as, you know, connected or, or into what you're doing as you are when you're trying to figure out before your thirties and you need to start putting away for retiring. So you're kind of, you know, I feel like my day is, is a lot more filled. So when I got a break from, uh, when I got a break from, from work and, and COVID, you know, laid me off for like four months, uh, it was amazing. You know, I, I was completely, I was completely relaxed. I was so bummed to have to go back to work. It took me like two months to get back into the swing of like, this is what I got to do again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can imagine that when you, when you're whole, you know, and I've obviously like, I'm a hermit now. I don't leave my house. So I can imagine when your social life and especially at that time, I would have been a wreck, you know, staying home yeah. all the time with my parents or whatever. And, um, so you said you deal with a lot of high school kids. 
how how has it been? I mean, how have you you know? Is that so? That's the middle age you've been seeing uh, uh, practicing with lately. Is, is um, anywhere from you said three to eighteen? Yeah. So actually, um, in office, typically I'm only seeing clients like um, that are fourteen okay. years and older. Gotcha. I try to leave the littles to those that are really specialized in that. Yep. But right now, um, I'm really focusing on college students, and so yeah. I mean, everybody is struggling right now. Life is really hard right now. And what I've been seeing is that, you know, there's a lot of loneliness. Mm. Even when we're maybe living with people, we're still feeling lonely because we all kind of get um, our self-esteem and our, like, fulfillment through the day from different avenues. Right. Um, sometimes that might be, you know, hearing your coach say you did a really great job or getting positive feedback from a teacher. And now that's not really happening because things are virtual or you're just getting a quick email back saying like, hey, you got an A on this paper. Um, and so just the way that we kind of like fill up our cup, yeah. those things aren't happening right now. And so I'm seeing a lot of loneliness and also just in general, um, this kind of feeling of being stuck. Like, um, you know, I'm working so hard for what? Like, how long is this going to happen? Even if I do get my degree, am I even going to find a job? So just lots of those questions that I think as a college student, you're already scared about. And right. now that's, you know, times by 10 because we have COVID kind of, I call it the COVID cloud. The COVID cloud is kind of just hanging over us right now. Yeah. Kind of just giving us this eerie feeling. Right. Well, and, and I suppose like it's such speaking of like sociology you're putting yourself through like is there traumatic sociology so like traumatic spots of being in large groups because i feel like just going to college alone on your own you're living with somebody new there's so much that like is already kind of like a predetermined thing that when you're getting to college and now to have to deal with this on top of it i can imagine just really throws people out of the loop because you're almost preparing to stay home and now you're fighting that battle along with, well, what am I going to do when I finally have to go there? Wow. Right. That's, that's something I guess I didn't think about. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, and as when we go from high school to kind of that transition into college, you know, in high school, everything is planned out for us, right? We mm -hmm. have a routine. We're in school eight to three. Then we go to sports and then mom or dad maybe has supper for us. We play video games, do our homework, and then we go to bed. Yeah. And now we're in college and like all of that stops. We maybe have class two times a day and you can eat whenever the heck you want and nobody's keeping tabs on you. Mm -hmm. And you can take a three hour nap in the afternoon. All of a sudden we get hit kind of by this like wall which it seems great we're free we can do whatever we want but then oftentimes we kind of spiral down and don't um, understand that until we're kind of down in a deep hole mm -hmm. and we're like okay now how do I build myself back up yeah and that's one of my favorite things to do in therapy is help you identify those skills to crawl out of that hole I got you so um I had to ask my therapist you're uh... <laughs> I, I know this is a joke. So I asked my therapist, are are you the, the kind that we're going to do exercises or can you prescribe? And she was like, okay, like that's, that's a real question to ask, I guess. So I got to ask it. Can you prescribe or is it exercises? I am all about a holistic, um, homework care. So I love giving homework of deep breathing, meditation, mindfulness, grounding skills. Um, love, love, love doing that. 
even just adding pleasant activities into your day and then coming back the next week and talking about, you know, what was your, what were your successes and what were your barriers that led up to that? Um, you know, in college, I didn't really have coping skills. Yes. Um, and I had to learn, you know, like what, what the heck is a coping skill? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so just providing my clients the education on these are some things that are out there these are some things that have worked for me this is a really popular thing that's going on right now um giving them these tools and then saying try some out and see what works best for you right so that's what i like to do i got you how much of it is finding out like the person you're dealing with i kind of asked that question earlier but like when i went i had to do uh I can't remember what kind of test, but essentially it was like how I think. And we kind of came up to like, you know, so, some different options mm-hmm. for me, but <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but one of them was like, I'm a very black and white thinker. Yeah. And, th- and that sounds that like that to me, when I heard it, I was like, well, I don't think like that because I think in the gray a lot. But when I think is in the gray, or when I say it's in the gray, it's black to other people because I'm specifically so into it that it's like, how can you not be this way? And it's more or less my personality, not just the way I think. It's just everything is kind of directed into like, I see it as this or that, even though I think I'm in the middle. Um, how do you do those kind of tests where, where you test to see and, and ask them, you know, what do you, you know, read these? What do you resign with? How do you see yourself? Yeah. And do you find that right. being successful in, in your practice? Sure. So um, that is not my expertise. That would definitely be a psychologist. So I, okay. a psychologist does lots and lots of testing. So um, I can I do more simple assessments. So if you were to come into my office, we would most likely do an, a depression assessment mm-hmm. um, and like an anxiety assessment. But one thing that I have found to be really um, helpful for clients is to do like a personality assessment. Like you can get yes. them on Google, you know, mm-hmm. and you can find out what personality type you are. Um, so like if the person was an INGF, um, then we would go on and we would learn about that, learn about how they communicate and respond with other people. So I'll do something um, pretty non-clinical like that um, because that can be really helpful for mm-hmm. clients. But if they really want a more in-depth possibly um, diagnosis or something like that, then I would always refer to a psychologist or a psychiatrist to do more of a invasive. Um, but yeah, I think doing some of those basic kind of fun little assessments can be really helpful to just get to know yourself as a person. Right. And that helped me a lot just because um, I, th- I told her that I had, so I had a female and that was one thing that when I, when I chose my therapist, what did I want? And I, I said, you know what? It doesn't really matter at the time. Um, I was on a rush cause I only had three months left of insurance. So I was like, I'll take whoever is like, I don't have to drive a million miles to go see. Um, and she ended up being really cool. The one thing I really looked for was that it's fine that if, if you have religion, I just don't want it to be brought up throughout therapy because I'm not a religious person. Yeah. And so, um, and one thing that I found was, was we talked about how, um, I'm trying to figure out how to word it, how, I could look at things and let those affect my day. And essentially it was a lot of coping with how I can tell myself, you know, get out of it. So I would let myself be in a slump where, you know, if I felt like today just wasn't my day, it would be like today just isn't my like three days. And, and I would like drag myself and listen to songs and just be in this mood and like not know why. And it sounds very lethargic almost that like it had to take somebody else sitting across from me telling me like, Hey, don't think like that. And when you get like that, just think your way out of it. But 
it it helped. Yes. How much yes, it- that you perfectly have described what a typical day in therapy looks like. Oh, I, I, um, I think about a lot of the stuff I do, right? So, and one of the things that we talked about for about a week, I mean, I don't know about a week, but it, I'd say it was about at least a week, but was my freshman year because, um, even, even though like, you know, I, I, I feel like there were a lot of things that when I got onto my own, I regretted and mm-hmm. carrying it where it's like, you know, not even like, uh, it's, it's, I'm trying to figure out how to say this where I don't sound weird. Um, carrying it around where it's like, I don't have to feel like, okay, because those things I did, I, I can let them go. You know, they're in the past and it's not like, you know, it, 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 like it bugged me. It's just one of those things that when I talked about it, she, she saw that like, all I talked about was like how I saw bad things that I did. And so, mm-hmm. you know, just letting kind of some of those things go and, and having like the ability to like, like talk it out. I'm, I'm, that's where I found that podcasting was probably going to be good for me is, is I can talk. Yeah. And a lot of the times I try not yeah. to talk about myself because, uh, it, why, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of more fun for me mm-hmm. to like relate myself to the guest, and then at least it's not the same old thing every day. Um, but yeah, that was a long rant. Sorry. But I, I like that, you know, you're saying that you, you know, you use exercises and that you're very like, okay, well, what can we do to like, have you think about what we need to work on? And, and mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's nice because, because, you know, I was always afraid that maybe it was just my one therapist and like, so that's why I'm trying to get back into it now. And so, yeah, good yeah thank you. And, and so this time though, I want to try a guy just, just to see how it reflects mm. and, and relay the same stories and maybe hear a different, you know, because I, I remember <laughs> a lot of what she talked about. Have you, how much of it do you see that when people come in, do they want to help themselves? Especially now that I know that it's, you know, younger people. Um, mm-hmm. Do you, do you see that they um, have lived like, obviously like they've lived traumatic experiences at some point, almost everybody does. Yeah. Um, do you see that they are reflective or, or is it a lot of like, because at that age you're kind of like, I'm just doing things without understanding like the, mm-hmm. the, the, the background of it. Um, how, mm-hmm. how much of that do you see? Yeah, honestly, I see a lot of it. People are coming in and they obviously want help, right? That's why they're there. That's Mm -hmm. why they're in my office. Something in their life is not quite working. Um, And oftentimes, maybe that's what we have to identify first. Like what is not working and how much on a scale of one to 10 do you want this to change? And maybe what I see as the problem is something that they don't see as the problem at all. Mm -hmm. So obviously... We're not, we're not going to work on that because you have to be committed to it. I always say that 90% of the outcomes that happen in therapy happen outside of my office, really. Um, 10% of the change probably happens in my office. A lot of the changes, you doing the work outside of the office, taking some of these things into consideration, making different changes. Mm-hmm. Um I like to describe therapy as Google Maps. So um, the therapy office is Google Maps. You're the one typing in the destination, and I'm the little voice on the other end. And um, you type in your destination, and together we walk there together. Right. And if if I say, okay, we're going to take a right, and you're like, no, I'm taking a left, then you know I don't get mad. I don't stop my feet. I don't cuss at you. I'm just like, okay, let's reroute. Here we go. Like, buckle up. Okay. Um, and that's what I like to describe therapy as is I'm going to help walk with you to get to your goal. 
Um, my supervisor taught me that little metaphor. There you go. Um, and I've just kind of stuck with it. It's it's a good metaphor, I think, yeah. to describe how that's um, at least how my therapy practice works. Have you ever been uh, on the other end? Did you ever take any therapy um, before you became yeah. a therapist? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, you know, on and off throughout college. College was really tough. You know, you know, I was changing my major all these times. Yeah, you changing um, schools. Yeah, changing schools. Didn't know what I wanted to do. So yes, absolutely. Utilize therapy. Super, super helpful for me. Um, you know, my parents are great and they were wonderful to talk to. But sometimes I just needed a third person to talk to that was just going to sit there with me through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I found therapy to be so, so helpful. Um, you know, even if they didn't give me all the tips and tricks and tools, just being to kind of word vomit for an hour and then leave felt so good. Yeah, I I think if I would have looked back at it, um, going through high school especially, it would have would have benefited. Um, because I you know I I think I've said on the show, but my mom for sure had some anxiety and some depression growing up, and that relayed itself in some pretty you know enthusiastic ways. But my dad was one of those people who, uh, even when you know I mentioned, hey, I, I'm thinking about going to therapy. There's some things going on. My dad was you know very stern and oh. Uh, you know, you, you you don't need fucking someone telling you that. Just fucking let people, you know, be like a duck. And I was like, what does a duck mean? And he was like, you fucking be on the pond. You look normal, but on the head, just let it figure out. And it's like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not good at that. Like, I'm fucking, you know, I needed some fucking help. I definitely think because especially when you're younger, you take what your parents say into such consideration that like, yeah. you know, it, it, it severely affects how you make decisions, even though you're growing up and you're rebellious at the end of the day, you still, you know, have this track line with them where you're, you, you have a trust or you have a, you know, a, a feel of like belief or, or, um, um, not regret, but you feel like you owe them something. So it's like, you have to kind of follow in their decision. So damn, that's, that's, I, that's crazy to think that. Uh, yeah, I, I really think that something something like that would have helped me a lot, a lot earlier too. But how many people um, have you had, or or young kids that? Um, I know we we said we wanted to approach stigmas. Um, what are the kind of stigmas you hear from young people coming in that are either fears for them to want to go in, or, or reasons why they they don't want to go? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So stigma oftentimes affects it. You know, if you are living in parents' home and you're not getting the support from them, that can feel really lonely. Um, You know, I've actually noticed that a lot with my younger kids, it's not really stigmatized. They And they're really open about it. Like, yeah, my friend has depression or, you know, my friend's really sad or they have anxiety. I would say that um, where I am noticing the stigma, at least in my office, is from older adults. Um, and to be honest, typically men. Um, oh, 100%. You know, it's um, you guys are supposed to just pull up your bootstraps and figure it out, right? Yeah. But in reality, that's just not that's just not possible all the time. Um, and so I would say that that's kind of where I see a lot of the stigma. Um, you know, this, this idea that you're weak or that, um, you know, you can't, you can't see my illness, so I should just get over it, things like that. Um, and that is the hard part with mental illness in general is that, you know, it's not a broken arm. It's not cancer. Your hair is not falling out. Um, right. And, you know, you're not, you're not walking around on crutches, but inside it can feel like you're drowning. 
Yeah, no, and and that's kind of how I describe why I got into it. So I've I've had this overwhelming fear of death my entire life, and it got right. to the point where obviously with my dad dying, I think it kind of broke some hinges loose and was like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna throw a twist into this now because now I've yeah. seen it. You know, I saw him die, and there was the whole duration of watching you know a man that I've knew to be the strongest person in my life wither away and get to a point where he can't use the bathroom and you know and it took a while to even be able to say that without choking up because it was such a holy shit moment where it's like oh life isn't like you know it's not just drinking beers until 2 a.m and waking up and going all right what am i gonna do tomorrow sometimes there's not a tomorrow and and that sounds like such a oh you know thing to say but it really does for me it affected me for sure for the last four years and and almost every year I i find myself going I'm a lot better than I was last year. And then like, I kept thinking like, Oh, that's going to stop. And I'm realizing like, Oh no, I really let it like fuck with me. Like it really got with me. And it got to a point here where, like I said, I kind of made a mad dash to get into it because I was turning 26 and that was when my mom's insurance was giving up. And so, you know, and I'm stubborn. I'm not going to pay for it if if I don't have to and not (laughs) overwhelming amounts. But, uh, and that's my, that's another whole stigma thing about it where you know, I'm, I'm just a cheapo anyways. But my mad dash for three months was because I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would think about, you know, things that I had touched throughout the day or, you know, we'd go to this fucking thing. And when, you know, we'd read this thing was built in 1947. The first thing I would go to is everyone who built that is dead. And I was like, oh, that's not a fucking healthy thing to like just go to. Like it was it was so revolving around and it would like I'd wake up at like 2.30 in the morning and I'd go, when am I not going to wake up at 2.30 in the morning? Like and it's right. it right. And it's such a for me, it was very debilitating and I would stay up and I would have these anxiety ridden. Yeah, I've I've never and I never really knew how to tell people it was just kind of a joke. Like, I'm afraid to die. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Right. And like how scary to sit with that and then know, like, is this even normal? Like, do other people think this way? Right. Um, and like, how do I just walk up to someone and tell them that? Right. Right. Super, super. Um, cause someone's probably going to think I'm crazy. A big stigma. Right. Oh, well, hugely. I mean, I'm sitting, like I said, I'm, I, you know, I'd be sitting there walking with my kid and we'd read the sign and it was like, Oh, you know, that's not normal for somebody to, to draw to, but you're exactly correct in where you would never know that's, you know, what's going on part of the reason i think me and my girlfriend work so well right now is that she is pretty much like knowing that something is going to come out of my head where she's going to turn to me and go all right let's talk about it because it's it's definitely like holy shit like what do you got going on up there but for me it was always like just keep it in keep it in keep it in don't be weird you know but it would it would then transverse itself i don't even know if that's a fucking word it would mm-hmm. it would move itself into something else where maybe I didn't want to act like that, but I I did because yeah. you can only hold in so much, and then some of the yeah, you know, and this is all shit that I've kind of came up with in my head where it's like okay, you know, I was holding a lot in, and but mm-hmm. but that kind of shit, you know, I, I I truly now believe in that, especially after going through therapy, is that is that we carry around shit from the past, and a lot of it is from our youth, and yeah. I repeat a lot of things that I saw in my youth. Do you, do you see a lot of people? Um, tell you stories and then tell you about how they, they see themselves as their, uh, you know, parents. Uh, for me, it was my parents a lot and how my parents acted. Um, yeah. do, do you see that a lot? Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that I really like to focus on is your attachment style. There's, and again, quizzes online where you can go on to find out like your, what your attachment style is. Um, and that really impacts your relationships as adult too. So like, what was your relationship 
like with your mom? What was your relationship like with your dad? How are you raised? And typically that has a huge impact on now. What does your relationship like look like as an adult? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I've, uh, I've, I've kind of joked with my, my girlfriend. She's never met my dad. Cause I obviously met her after my dad passed away, but I've told her so many stories that now she'll just call me, like call kind of call me his name going, okay, well you're definitely acting like that. And it helps me go, Oh, cause there's maybe some things, you know, very, very ornery some days where it's just like, I growl and it's like, Oh, he used to growl. Like, and so she'll tell me that. And it's like, all right, that's something I always told myself. I don't want to do. Um, yeah. I gotcha. What are, what are some, some, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, no, you're good. What are some stories you have that are just kind of not uplifting, but just something that like, you know, um, are, are, are make, make you happy that, that you chose your job. I mean, do you have any like, you know, specific person you can change the name if you want to. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, kind of tell anything that like kind of is making your job worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that my most, you know, happiest times in therapy obviously is when clients get to graduate or get to terminate services, right? Um, Yeah, that's sad because we've built up such a big relationship. But, you know, I maybe saw them through some of their darkest, darkest times Mm -hmm. when maybe they didn't even want to live anymore. And just knowing that together we built hope, we built goals, you know, even just having one goal and seeing my clients accomplish their one goal and maybe it's revolved around social anxiety and they have so much anxiety that they can't even go into the grocery store or enjoy a meal at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And so for them to come back that next week and say, Hey, I, I did my homework. I did my five minutes of deep breathing. I checked in with myself. I got my support person and we went out to eat and I had a meal and, you know, to see them sobbing and the happiness, like makes my job absolutely worth it. Um, to see that hope um, be built and, yeah, to see those goals be accomplished. There's nothing better than that. Right. Well, how would you say – so I obviously have another daughter. Um, she's four months, and I have my daughter who's seven. Do you give ever give advice to somebody – do you ever have parents come in? How many parents have you had come through, through your office? That is something – yeah, that is something that I um, choose not to focus on. Okay. So, you know, as therapists, we all kind of have like our, um, our little niches is what we call them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so parents and littles, that's not really mine. I love to refer those out to the people that have, you know, the um, education, the training and, you know, the strong desire to work with clients like that. Gotcha. Okay. So then I'll reword my question. What would you give me a, for, for advice? Um, for when, like, obviously, when my daughters become of like a, a, the the teenage and and you know little preteens to to older, because because my thing was I'm gonna try not to act like my dad, because my dad was so very like just keep it in, shut your mouth, you know, and and my daughter already says now like we could be watching a sad movie and she'll look over and go, are you gonna cry this time? Because I'll, I'll definitely that. cry, but you know, yeah. and, or like when we've talked, you know, sometimes it goes into tears because sometimes conversations yeah. aren't always easy for me, and that's whatever. But is is there any advice you have just when if like let's say I do have you know uh, uh, one of my daughters or both of them come up with some sort of anxiety or depression at that mm-hmm. point? 
Yes, talking about it. Absolutely. Talking about the feeling and that feelings have, um, you know, physical body reactions, you know, when I'm angry. Yeah, you know, when I'm angry, dad's face gets really red. Mm -hmm. And so I know then that I shouldn't go do this. Mm -hmm. So talking about feelings, absolutely. Why do you feel that way? And, you know, something that we could do to make you feel better. Um, Just having that open communication, I think is absolutely key. And I love that you're willing to be vulnerable, you know, get a little teary when you're watching Frozen. Oh, fuck. Um, I think those are all really great things. Like we have to show that emotions are normal. That is how we fight that stigma. Yeah. And that's, I think that's, but that's part of the reason too, where I know it's like, I got to go back again. Cause it's not, the, it's not a normal amount of like these sad movies. And if you put a dad into it, I'm immediately like, not like, uh, I'm, I'm holding back. So it's like, all right, that's something that I should be able to hear that and go, all right, you're normal. Like it's, you know, it doesn't need to break down like every time, but yeah. I, I, I definitely get what you're saying. I mean, I, I, I more or less laugh now where it's like, I'd rather, I'd rather that she knows me as like somebody who's, you know, wears their emotion on their sleeves than somebody who like holds back yeah. because it does hold you back later trying to act like them. Cause that's your, that's your, mm-hmm. your not goal, but that's your, that's the person you get to look up to. So yeah, I, I get well, and you. how heavy is it if you're if you're um, going through the day with all of this sadness and not expressing it? That's basically like having a broken arm and pretending like it doesn't hurt all day, right? Yeah. Um. So like crying is the treatment for a broken arm. Getting a cast on it is the treatment, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Why would we Why would we handle those two t- things any differently? Right, and that is the hardest part is that you can't really take uh, an ibuprofen. For your head. I mean, you can and, and those, but they have long lasting effects. And in my head, like my, one of my th- fears of going to therapy was that everybody gets diagnosed with, um, with antidepressant medication. And for me as a person, um, not, not against anybody who, who would ever need it just for me. Um, I don't know if that would be the best for me, just how I think. And so, yeah. and how I approach that is, is that was one of the things I was afraid of was being told I'm going to have to do it. And, and then having that and, and um, how many people come in and, and find that they want that, if, if I can ask that question? Do you see that a lot yeah. of people are looking to have that? Because I feel like some people are just so easy to used to the idea of an ibuprofen for mm-hmm. a headache. Yeah, sure. No, honestly, I would say that most of the time I hear clients say, I want to try this first. I want to try a more holistic approach first Um, and then you know I don't do anything with medications so I you know can provide some basic education but then I say okay great yeah yep I refer them out to somebody that can do that but honestly most of the time I would say people are kind of in the same headspace that you were they're coming in because they want to try to you know build some skills cope with this on their own um but then sometimes we need medication and yeah there's nothing wrong with that either Mm mm-hmm Right on. So one of the reasons I reached out was because you told me or not told me you had a story on Instagram about uh, somebody saying, and if I'm wrong, tell me to shut up. But it was that somebody was asking you like, wow, you're you're a therapist, but you take um, medication, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. T- tell me the story. Yeah. So I want to I want to know how that goes, because I, I want that dude is pretty bold because that that'd be something I definitely would think but never be able to ask. So, so tell me about the story. Yeah. Yeah, so I had been living in my apartment for about two years, and so I'm pretty bold, and I just go up to everyone and say hi. So obviously, I made friends with some of my neighbors and people in the um, 
complex. And yeah, I was in the elevator one day with a bag, a, you know, a, a, brand, a paper bag. I must have had the logo of a pharmacy on it. And he had said to me like, oh, you must be sick. You must be sick because I, you have some antibiotics. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, no, you know, these are my happy pills. And then, you know, he proceeded to say, like, happy pills. Well, aren't you a therapist? Or um, I think his quote was, it must be pretty embarrassing to be a therapist and need happy pills. Um, And I said, no, you know, I'm not embarrassed. Um, This is something that I need to function. And I am not going to feel bad about that or feel embarrassed about that. Um, And then he proceeded to say, well, you know, I thought you would just have it all figured out. And I, by means, have no, I have it not figured out. I'm still trying to figure it out every day. So I think there, again, perfect, perfect example of stigma. If you're a surgeon or a president or a principal or, you know, some of these maybe high, higher up positions, you're not supposed to struggle with mental health. Yeah. Which often then is a giant stigma that leads to, oh, I don't want to go seek therapy. I don't want to go get help because what if someone sees me in the therapist's office or at the doctor? Mm-hmm. And so we, we got to stop doing that. Right. Well, and that's why, you know, in the very first episode, I, I, I said that I would want to talk about my, my times in therapy. And I don't think I ever really have. Um, maybe slowly bits, you know, but also I realized like that's probably not something people want to turn on and, and, and listen to. But but something like this is where I was like, OK, well, I can feel comfortable talking about my experience because hopefully it relays, you know, something to somebody where, you know, like I said, I was I was turned off to the idea by people who I, I listened to where it's like, OK, that took me a little longer to get to the, the path or goal that I wanted to get to. Um, and the nice thing is, like you said, like, you know, hopefully you can leave and graduate and use those tools to try to, you know, maybe not be at your goal when you graduate, but now you're at a point where, you know, you're kind of like leaving high school where you're on your own now and you're going to think about the new things you have. And, and that's something that I'm kind of looking forward to and bringing it back to therapy is what have I thought about since then? And, and, you know, what did I take wrong and, and use that incorrectly or, or, you know, what have I done? That's like, okay, I'm actually over that now. Like now I can put that away. Cause there are things that I'd like to bring up to see how I feel. Cause like I said, I'll start, you know, certain things about my dad. There are times where I'll just, and, and it's, you know, like, all right, I want to get to a point where all of that's all cleared up. And, and, you know, I don't know if that's ever going to happen or what, but, you know, it'd be nice to be able to be um, completely round about it. And I feel like there are still moments where it's like, ah, I can make jokes and a lot of people will look at me in the wrong place setting. But kind of my thing was to like make jokes about it because to me, I'll laugh about it, you know, and, and I know that sounds strange, but it's it's like uh, it's something that I, I learned easily that 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 helps me at least in the moment kind of laugh my way out of it, no matter how weird the joke might be. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. So uh, I'm trying to think. I actually had some things right now. Oh, availability for people uh, looking um, was one thing yeah. I wanted to talk to you about, too. So uh, do you have any tips? Do you have any? Is there a you know, not obviously uh, suicide hotline, but is there anything else yeah. that's like uh, I, I know that there's like a a video calling um, mental help. I think it's my talk or something like that. Sure. Yeah. My yes. And I had this written down too. I wanted to um, talk about this. So psychology today.com 
is my go-to if you're looking for a therapist in your area. So if you just go to psychologytoday.com, the first thing that will pop up is find a therapist. So you can even, you can look it up by someone's name or you just type in your zip code and all of the therapists in your area will pop up. Usually they have a picture and they have a little bio about themselves talks about what insurance they cover as well as some other specialties and then you can hop on their website you can send them a message or you can call them um, so if you're looking for a therapist in your area highly recommend checking out psychologytoday.com right on perfect yeah awesome yeah uh, one more question i have for you then have you had anybody yeah. talk to you about my talk uh, that was one thing that i know have you have you seen that yeah, yes. So I know that there's um, some really great apps out there where um, you can do, if you don't have insurance, I heard it's really good because you can kind of like pay by month, like yeah, $50 it, a month and exactly. you get three sessions. Yeah, I haven't looked a ton into it, but I know, you know, people that have used it. And um, I think I do have a couple therapy friends that might be on some of those platforms. Um, I, you know, if you don't have insurance, I think it'd be a great, great place to start even right. start to kind of, kind of get your feet wet, see like, okay, do I like this whole therapy thing? Mm -hmm. Um, and then maybe you feel like you want to go in person. So maybe you'll take that step to pay out of pocket or to get, you know, insurance or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great place. Um, if they're a, a good credentialed agency, I would say, you know, give it a try. Yeah, I gotcha for sure. I know, like I said, I know one thing that, that kind of helped me with this was in therapy, she found out that I like to talk about my podcast there because she wasn't going to go out and talk to about it about anybody else because I feel bad bringing it up to anybody in public. But, you know, one of the things we found out was it is good for me to be able to do this kind of a thing and, and talk. And, and, you know, I joke with people now that like have some people have asked me to do this, do a podcast. And it's like, have you gone to therapy? And like, because it's kind of the same thing. Like, I always tell myself, yeah. I can't talk on these things, but. I've talked in therapy and you get kind of like that. And I've, I've used this as kind of a therapy session, but 100%, I think I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who needs like a, like an in session kind of a thing because I like the close proximity and I like, you know, feeling like, you know, we're really, um, divulging something and I don't know why, but more personal things work better for me. Um, the last question I have for you is how do you, uh, swag out your, uh, office? I mean, how do you make it the most comfortable for you, but also for the guests? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that question. Um, I hate fluorescent lights. They give me a headache. So I like nice, cool, um, dim lighting. I usually have some really nice music going on. Um, I have a nice scent in the air, whether it be an essential oil. Mm -hmm. um, in my office, you're going to find pillows and blankets. You're going to find treats, some candy treats. Right on. Um, it is a cozy, cozy little nook. I've got a couch and two chairs. So if you need to lay down or put your feet up, you're more than welcome to. Um, yeah, a very cozy kind of boho vibe right on. Um, that I, I love it so much. I love going to work. I love being in my office. Um, so, yeah, definitely like the aesthetic of my office. Okay, I know I said that was the last one. How much of it do you find, like, settling to go to work? I mean, do you find that to be almost your therapy? I love going to work. Yeah, yeah, I love going to work. I love my setup. You know, I love seeing my clients and checking in with them, and my coworkers are great. So, yeah, I think a, a thing, you know, I've been in jobs before that I've hated, mm -hmm. and I've felt sick going to work and so I know how detrimental that can be to your physical and your mental health um so yeah I would definitely say that you know going to work is kind of my therapy 
Right on. Uh, where can people find you? I know uh, the podcast kind of reaches weird, odd little spots, and I don't know yeah. if anyone would ever be able to, but maybe that would help somebody reach out. And, and I don't know if you're into yeah. helping somebody, you know, find more, but psychology today for sure.com. Um, but if you yep. want to plug yep. yourself, you know, there's people who listen to North Dakota. So. Yeah, yes. So currently I'm employed at Solace Counseling, which is in Fargo, North Dakota. And so you can check us out at solacecounselingfargo.com. And then I also do have a presence on Instagram. So if you at Mindful Midwest, little um, kind of mental health tips on my Instagram page there. So definitely check that out. Um, But yeah. I feel bad. I need to go follow that like right after this conversation. So I'll, I'll share that out and I'll put that out. Uh, I'll have you message me that if you can do that and then I'll, I'll yes. plug it all in the beginning. Yes. So that way, um, and I'll okay. make sure to edit this out and that'll be up there, but thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate your time. Yes. Yes. It was so good to see you again. Um, thank you. I've, I'm honored that I got to do this. Oh, please. Um, no, my, you have to realize I'm asking people to like divulge anything. And, and <laughs> I appreciate so much that you take the time to even, you know, allow me to record you and, and put something up. So, so no, yeah. trust me. I mean, the honor's all mine. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. Okay. We'll stay in touch.